0: I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm talking about the four judgments of God. Four judgments. And these will be coming about at the end of time. And I believe they are here already. The four judgments are the sword. God told Israel, if you're not obedient to me, I'll send the sword. I'll send war against you. I'll overwhelm you with war, and I'll send the famine. And the famine is always associated with the third judgment. Pestilence is disease. When you see those little babies over in Africa and they got bloated bellies, uh, this disease is rampant in there. And water is scarce. Clean water is scarce, and it's associated with the famine, and then finally I will send the beast, now we've been talking about the beast the beast is a world system, it is not a man, and I'll show you that, world system it's a world system and, and I'm talking about the beast but before I do I want to tell you something about pestilence there's all this argument about going on about who's to blame who's financing what this is not a democrat or republican problem this is a God cause that's all it is God said he would send this and the the people who are to blame are the preachers of America not just of America but the preachers the last hundreds of years have polluted the word of God and they're preaching false doctrine now I've gone over all this doctrine is the word instruction they're preaching false instruction some of the things they're teaching is accept Christ as a method of salvation that's not true Accept Christ is not true. They're preaching sinners prayer for salvation. That's not true. Everybody goes to Romans ten thirteen, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and they never go to verse fourteen. How then shall they call on him and whom they've not believed? belief is the method of salvation believe on the Lord Jesus Christ then you will call then you will call but you have to be a believer before you'll call I'm not going to call upon Zeus or Aphrodite or Venus or Hercules and those were gods in the ancient world believe is the verb form of faith by grace he is saved through faith. But the, since there's none that seeks after God, none seeks God, there's none righteous, how are you going to believe unless God puts faith in your heart? God has to graciously, grace is the word Caris. when you don't deserve it, when there's none good, God reaches down and has a people that he's chosen for himself. And he said, if you don't preach these truths, preachers are not preaching repentance. If they say the word repent, they don't tell you what it means. It means to be turned and think differently and be ashamed of yourself and be willing to take the blame and be embarrassed for what you are. Most people are not willing to do that. God has embarrassed me. He's made me drop my head and say, Oh, God, why have I done this? Lord, you're going to kill me if I keep doing what I'm doing. They don't believe in daily cross. America doesn't believe in a daily cross because they believe in fulfilling the flesh. Fulfill the flesh. They don't believe in self-denial. They deny is the word naomi means to contradict arneomai meaning to contradict self and it don't mean to deny deny stuff contradict had a fellow told me one time he said I went out shopping and I saw this couch I wanted and I denied myself I didn't buy it I said you didn't deny self you denied couch Deny self means to contradict your desires against the desires of God for your life. Now, the reason we've got pestilence, the reason for coronavirus has nothing to do with Democrats or Republicans. It's it's crazy. I don't care how serious serious it is. Or how serious it is not. Tell you what I did. I went online. I've googled all of the viruses for the last 2,000 years. They had the same problems we have. I even got some pictures of the 1918 virus that devastated America. And they were all walking around wearing masks. Let me just read some things to you about these things. The worst virus that's ever hit America is something called smallpox. Smallpox. About 25 to 50 million people died of smallpox in America it was devastating we've had so far I've been checking 243 to 240 thousand people die in America of of COVID-19 oh boy we hadn't had any problem compared to smallpox have we? no I went back to Athens and 430 BC, Athens. The earliest recorded pandemic happened during the Peloponnesian War. Remember, Peloponnesius. This was in Greece. Peloponnesius was that. That was that. What I do with my. I don't want to go off of that too far. The polypenesis in Greece is this hand-like thing. There's a land bridge down here and then there's Macedon up here and that's the polypenesis. Now, let me tell you something about Athens. Their coronavirus. The earliest pandemic was in the Peloponnesian War after the disease passed through Libya, Ethiopia, In Egypt. It crossed the Athenian walls as the Spartans laid siege as much as two-thirds of the population died. Oh boy, we ain't had nothing like that yet. The Antonine Plague. Antonine was 165 A.D. The Antonine Plague was possibly an early appearance of smallpox that began with the Huns, the Huns that infected the Germans, and they probably went around blaming each other, just like we're blaming China. I don't really care who started it. Let me tell you, it's the judgment of God. And all of these were the judgment of God passed to the Romans and then returning troops spread it through the Roman Empire Marcus Aurelius he's the guy who was the emperor in the movie Gladiator when it started the old guy remember that as one of the victims of this virus now I had another one here let me see here didn't want to get it mixed up I've got some, I got several things on this. I didn't want to read that, excuse me. Let me pitch that aside. Alright. Now, I don't even know where to read, I've got so much. The Justinian Plague was in the Byzantine Empire. That was where Constantinople was the Byzantine was the eastern empire of the Roman world the Justinian plague in 541 AD the plague changed the course of the empire it changes politics creating an apocalyptic atmosphere that spurred the rapid spread of Christianity oh we needed that in 541 for Christians to spread out. Recurrences over the next two centuries eventually killed about 50 million people, 26% of the world population. There must have been 200 million in the world. It is believed to be the first significant appearance. Of the bubonic plague or what they call the black plague. Whew. That's the most devastating in the history of the world. The black plague. It was unbelievable. That killed 75. Now you say, couldn't they keep track of it? No more than we can. 75 to 200 Million deaths. And the amazing thing that plague, the bubonic plague, the bubonic plague was running rampant in the 1300s while the Roman Catholic Inquisition was at its height. The Inquisition is where the Roman Catholics were killing the Protestants, killing the Albigens family, the Cathars, the Waldenses, the Huguenots, and these families came to America and said, we will purify this new land of all Roman Catholic influences, and they called themselves Puritans because of that, and they outlawed Christmas and Easter and all these Roman Catholic unholy days the plagues have altered christianity now the justinian plague about 50 million people killed and there was the bubonic plague was a part of this but the bubonic plague kept appearing in the 11th century leprosy these were plagues and they were blaming each other. This is God's cause, it's not man to blame. And man wants to stick somebody else. If you're a Democrat, blame the Republicans. If you're a Republican, blame the Democrats. I'm sorry, this is not Trump's fault, and it's not Joe Biden's fault. It's God's cause. Good grief. Don't you read your Bible? Leprosy grew into a pandemic in Europe in the Middle Ages leprosy a slow growing bacterial disease leprosy was believed to be a punishment from God thank God for somebody back then who knew that much now known as Hansen's disease it still affects tens of thousands of people a year and can be fatal if not treated with antibiotics the black death This is what they call the Black Plague. Some say smallpox was mixed in with it. Seventy-five to two hundred million people died. This was God's judgment. Responsible for the death of one-third of the world population. This second large outbreak of the bubonic plague possibly started in Asia and moved west in caravans entering through Sicily in 1347 Sicily is that little island just south of the end of the boot of Italy in the Mediterranean Sicily that's where the Sicilian mafia comes from you had to be a Sicilian to be in the mob when plague sufferers arrived in the port of Messina it spread throughout Europe rapidly. The Columbian Exchange Plague fourteen ninety two. This is interesting. The reason Columbus could could conquer the America the Indians when he landed in the West Indies, or excuse me, in San Salvador when he landed in San Salvador, is because of the plague. It changed the course of history. It changed politics. And the end is 90%. 90% of Native Americans died in this plague that hit America. 90% dying throughout the North and South continents. Christopher Columbus encountered Taino people, population 60,000. By 1548, the population stood at less than 500. The Aztec empire was destroyed by smallpox infection. The disease killed many of its victims and incapacitated others. It weakened the population so they were a- unable to resist Spanish explorers and left farmers unable to produce needed crops. It fa- it brought famine. In 2019 even concluded that the deaths of some 56 million Native Americans, 56 million American Indians, in the 16th, 17th century, largely through disease may have altered Earth's climate as vegetation growth on previously tilled land, drew more CO2, carbon dioxide, from the atmosphere atmosphere, and caused cooling event Oh, disease has actually caused uh, an upheaval in our atmosphere. Boy, and we're fighting over that, aren't we? Everything we're fighting over is because man has disobeyed God. The great plague of London. Gosh. I can't go through all this. The cholera pandemic. Millions die from that. That was in the that was in the 1500s. Fiji measles pandemic killed 40,000 people, died. The Russian flu pandemic of the Fijian pandemic was 1875. The Russian flu pandemic was 1889. The first significant flu pandemic started in Siberia. And Kazakhstan traveled to Moscow and made its way into Finland and then Poland, where it moved into the rest of Europe. By the following year, it had crossed the ocean into North America and Africa. By the end of 1890, 360,000 had died. How does this make you feel? What do you think COVID-19 is? It comes from God. And they, argue, they argued about the same things back then. Well, it's your fault, it's their fault, it's the Spanish fault, it's Great Britain's fault. The Spanish flu wasn't named because it came from Spain. It's because Spain would not print certain things, they would f- forbid people to print, so they just called it Spanish flu. The Spanish flu 50 million deaths worldwide. 1918, that's what they call that flu that hit America in 1918. 1918 flu was first observed in Europe, United States, parts of Asia, before swiftly spreading around the world. There were no effective drugs or vaccines to treat this killer flu strain. Wire service reports of flu flu outbreak in madrid in the spring of 1918 led to the pandemic being called the spanish flu hiv aids that has killed 35 million people worldwide we hadn't even got close to that Destroys the immune system. You know about that. The SARS virus of 2003. Lordy me. 26 countries infecting 8,096 people. And then you get into the COVID-19. I can't read all this. And this is not a mystery. Use your internet. Go online and look up. viruses and pandemics in the last 2,000 years and they'll tell you all about it I've got one paper here that tells you it'll say it'll tell you how many people died in each one of these the point I'm trying to get at When you get into a mess like this, this one, history's heaviest deaths, it's got little circles here, and it's got Plague of Justinian, 30 to 50 million deaths, 541 to 542 A.D., Black Death, 75 to 200 million, New World Smallpox, 25 to 55 million. That's been the most devastating thing in America. I got my Smallpox vaccine when I was about seven years old. Italian Plague, 1 million, Great Plague of London, 75,000 to 100,000. Third plague, 12 million. Russian flu, 1 million. Yellow fever, 150,000 in the 1800s. I'm just trying to get over to you. This fight in America, it altered nations, all these viruses. It actually made more Christians. It actually did everything you hear the guys arguing about, and they're accusing each other on TV. And it has nothing to do with Democrats and Republicans. It has to do with the judgment of God. If God wants to accelerate this at breakneck speed, He can do it and kill millions like He's done before. That's enough said about the virus. I may come back and give you some more information on it. We haven't done anything compared to the past pandemics all you have to do is go online and google pestilence and disease are pandemics for the last 2000 years and they'll go back prior to Christ and give it to you now that's just one of the signs one of the signs in the <laughs> funny thing is when Biden and Trump are arguing and that's what they're doing they're pointing a finger at each other and they never say this is God's judgment that's what it is it's not God's fault it's God's cause because he said that's what he would do when you know who's at fault for this Baptist preachers Pentecostal preachers, Church of Christ preachers, uh, Presbyterian preachers, Episcopal preachers, Roman Catholic priests and scholars, they're to blame. Now, let's get back to another sign. I'm, I'm going to try to explain to you the four end time wars which ended up in a complete victory for Israel and they were attacked by the at the end of time by Gog now I've read to you about Gog we're going to talk about the 38th chapter of Ezekiel which is going to point to these end time wars now I have given you already. Our, our eyes are on the wrong thing. We're looking at our economy. We're looking at our... They were. It, it certainly affected their economy in the ancient world. But we hadn't had anything compared to what they had. Especially 75 to 200 million people dying in one pandemic. We hadn't seen that in a bubonic plague, have we? This is astounding. I'm going to read to you something. I gave you I gave you this paper here a couple weeks ago. This is where all of these nations I've already pointed out. Because Israel did not obey God. That's what it's all about. Because they did not obey God for 500 years while they were a nation. Everything that's going on with the viruses, all these viruses were from God. That's where they came from. It's not just our virus. The coronavirus so far is a pansy virus compared to the smallpox, compared to the black plague, compared to bubonic plague. It's small potatoes. Don't think that God can increase it because that's what he would do to destroy people in the old world, to destroy Israel. It all came about. Everything the virus... All these plagues, all these pestilence came about because of what Israel did while they were a nation. That's not just coronavirus, that's everything that everybody's been doing. Preaching lies and false doctrine. And I am I've been studying this these plagues and this and the four judgments of God since nineteen sixty four when I was a young preacher. And I found out all the time they were a nation from first Samuel, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second chronicles. Chronicles. For five hundred and ten years approximately, they went after Baal which was the sun god the grove which was the tree goddess represented by the moon upon the earth by the moon the Baal was the sun god represented by fire grove is by trees notice that wood gives flame to the fire or the tree gives flame to the fire, and because they worshipped that, God said, "I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence." All you have to do to see the famine is read these books: First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and that'll tell you all about God bringing famine upon Israel, bringing judgment, crushing them under the hand of their enemies because they didn't obey Him. And probably the worst thing they did. They did not keep their sabbatical years. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 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 You say, Jim, why do you put that on the board over and over? Because you have to count the number of these that they did not keep. They were supposed to let the land lie fallow in Leviticus, the 25th chapter. And they had 70 sets of these sabbatical years. So that was 70 times 7. That's the 70 weeks of Daniel. And God's going to measure out 70 years when he carries southern Judah off to Babylon. And after 70 years, since they never let the land lie fallow for 490 years, and they sought other gods that would let them have their way and did not require the sabbatical years. The 70 weeks of Daniel is the most important point of prophecy from Genesis to Revelation. There's nothing more important than that. That's what all prophecy is about. So God says, I'm going to measure that out to you. If after 70 years over in Babylon, if you don't come back, when I let upon the hearts of three kings, Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, I'm going to give Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes the first three decrees to build the temple and supply the temple with supplies. I'm going to give Artaxerxes the in his mind the fourth decree in Nehemiah the second chapter to rebuild the city rebuild the city and from the going forth of that commandment to to restore and build Jerusalem to Messiah the Prince that would impede unto Jesus when he walks into Jerusalem as the they're crying Hosanna which means God saved the king God saved King Jesus And instead of crowning him king, they crucified him as the Passover lamb four days later. Passover lamb. Now, I've been telling you that when God scattered Israel, let me erase this so I can lay this out. I went through this a couple weeks ago. That God scattered them, scattered northern Israel by Assyria. Seven twenty-two BC. Now Assyria now Syria, not us not Syria, but Assyria was an empire. It was northern Babylon. So it's a form of Babylon. And in seven twenty-two Assyria under Tiglath Pileser and under Shalmaneser, Sennacherib. These Assyrian kings carried northern Israel away. S C H E N N A R C H R I B Sennacherib, Shalmaneser. Chalmaneser, M-A-N-A-S-E-S-A-R, and Tiglath-Pileser. Tiglath, what a name. His mother must have not had any other names. Tiglath-Pileser, P-I-L-E-S-E-R. You're going to find these kings carrying northern Israel away in 2 Kings, the 16th chapter the 17th chapter these are peaceful deportations till they get to the 17th chapter 2nd Kings 17 and that's the devastation of northern Israel carrying them away southern Judah was carried away into Babylon Babylon overthrows Assyria in 605 around 612 B.C. 612 BC and then Babylon overthrows Assyria around 612 and then Babylon carries Israel away or southern Judah Judah is the two southern tribes that is that is Judah and Benjamin these are the ten northern tribes that northern Israel carries away and carries them away into Babylon. Then Babylon rules Israel until rules Israel until they are overthrown by Persia. Babylon, of course, is overthrown by Persia in five thirty eight or five thirty nine BC. And Persia, that's when Cyrus, the king of Persia, comes in and issues a decree for Israel to go back. And only because God touched the heart of Cyrus, he gave a decree for Israel to go back from Babylon. That's about 650 miles away from Jerusalem. They're over in Babylon. They have to come back to Jerusalem. it's about 650 miles away that's because they had to go north because all of this out here is the arabian desert they couldn't come through here so they come up here come over here uh, 650 miles away that's and the persians come over from persia is the same thing as as iran and Afghanistan and Pakistan and all the stands, Turkestan and all those, that was Iran but that was also called Persia in the ancient world Persia so they come over and conquer Babylon they come over and that's when they come over and block up the Euphrates River and that's the only way they could conquer them because Babylon said we can't be conquered. Babylon straddled the Euphrates River and the Persians come from over here in what we call Iran. They And Cyrus diverts the river out into this Arabian desert and marches down the dry riverbed, comes into the palace and conquers Belshazzar, the last king of Babylon. Then, so Persia rules... And they're ruling Israel, Persia. Persia's ruling under Cyrus, then Darius, the next king. The first decree to go back and rebuild, rebuild the temple was in in Second Chronicles, the very end of the thirty-sixth chapter. And you also have it the very next book. Flip the page over in Ezra. The first chapter. Then, when they get over here, of Cyrus dies and Darius becomes the king. He's a made king, and you remember, this Persian empire was a Persian made empire. Well, Darius gives the next decree, and it's concerning the temple. Not going to go into that in detail. And then the next decree that was in five twenty. B.C. this one this decree here was in 538 BC that's the first one and then the third decree would be by Artaxerxes 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 was the king of Persia and this is in 457 BC And he gives Ezra, you can find this in Ezra, this one is in Ezra the first chapter, this second one is in Ezra the sixth chapter, and this third one is in Ezra the seventh chapter. And Artaxerxes gives Ezra decrees to go back and take supplies for the temple there's nothing in these decrees concerning building the city Nehemiah the second chapter he was a friend of Ezra Nehemiah the second chapter around 444 BC he's in Babylon well if Ezra's in Babylon in 457 and just we're talking about 12 years later in 444 so Nehemiah and Ezra were contemporaries. They were friends. So, Nehemiah gets the decree from Art, we'll just call him Artaxerxes, Art, to rebuild the city. Now, so they're under the Persians here. I'm going to erase these decrees because I'm going to extend this. And then, Persia Is subdued and conquered by Greece. And all this time, Israel is under the rule of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Alexander the Great, this great conqueror of Greece, he lives from around 332 BC and he dies approximately 318. BC. He's a very young man, and it's believed that one of his generals had four generals Cassander, Lysachemus, Seleucius, and Ptolemy. P T O L E M Y S E L E U C U S, Seleucius L Y S A C H. I-M-U-S, Lysacamus, and Cassander. And they did not really have an empire, but Seleucus tried to build an empire. He kept trying to conquer Egypt, which was Ptolemy, and he wanted to build his own empire, but he never conquered that, and they fell under the rule of Rome. They were subjugated, means to make them subjects of the Roman Empire. So they were under, and Rome was here during the days of Jesus, and that is the beast with iron teeth. Iron is a sign of Rome all through the Bible. And then Rome ends up attacking Israel in 70 A.D. under Titus the Roman general. So they're being ruled by the world all through here, 70 A.D., And Israel is scattered all over the world. And I read to you out of this paper, out of this paper, God's judgment on Israel and Judah. And I read to you how that in 70 AD, I'm going to read part of this again. In 70 AD, the destruction of Jerusalem and Israel, siege, was a 143 day period. Before the siege was concluded, 600,000, some say a million, 100,000 Jews were slain with thousands of more left in captivity. After Titus the Roman general, there was no history in Israel for sixty years. No history. Were they free? No. They're being ruled. They were scattered all over the world and they were being ruled. There was one last attempt to win Jews' freedom from the Romans. This was from a false messiah. His name was Jesus Bar Kokhba. Overwhelmingly crushed. What was left of the city was leveled and the foundations piled up. Two years later, Romans began rebuilding the city and renamed it Aelia. This is what they called Jerusalem. A-E-L-I-A. The Romans renamed it. A-E-L-I-A. Aelia Capitolina. C-A-P-I-T-O-L-I-N-A. And then for 200 years, Jews were forbidden from even going into Jerusalem. Then they begin to be controlled. Then they begin to be controlled by forces all over the world. I'll read a bunch of them real quick. Six fourteen, the Persian general King Chorosis the second seized the city and slaughtered sixty million Christians. Then just nine years later, in six twenty eight. Heraclius made peace with the son of the invader Chorosis then they went under the rule of Omar Khalif in 637 just 51 years later then the dome of the rock was erected in 688 on the temple mount where Jerusalem had their temple no one's going to remove the dome of the rock that was in 688 B.C. excuse me AD, A.D. A.D. That's when the Dome of the Rock is constructed. Then, six then 969, 40 years later, Shaikh Khalif, a Khalif, was like a high priest of Egypt, took over. Then, Khalif Hakim in 1009, and then AD 114, 30,000 churches in Palestine had been pillaged and burnt. 1016, two years later, Persecution was stopped only when our king became convinced that he was divine this was a Muslim then the Seljuk Turks drove out the Egyptians slaughtering 3,000 residing within the walls and then 1099 the first Christian crusade came about when they began to slaughter and pursued by those so called Christian knights and then Saladin the great comes in in 188, 188 years later, in and and 1187, and entered October the 2nd enforcing strict order, there'll be no violence, no orgy of conquest engaged by his soldiers. This was the head of the Muslim world. And he put to shame the Christians. And then it was regained by Frederick the 2nd, then 1244 the Karzmenian Tartars took over then I'm getting to the very end of what I believe is the end of time and then in 1247 was seized by the Egyptians 1260 just about 17 years later recaptured by the Tartars and then in 1517 this is very important it was seized by... Jerusalem was seized by the Ottoman Turks in 1517. And they held on it until 1917 at the end of the Great War. We call it World War I. But they called it the Great War. They didn't know there'd be a World War II. That's when the English under General, General Allenby, where well, he walked into Jerusalem cause them surrender and since the English any time in a war when one part is conquered by the enemy or by the Allied forces, then that would be put under the rule of the English. So they had an Englishman this Englishman named Balfour, Arthur Balfour, issued the Balfour Declaration. And the Balfour Declaration was issued in 1920. And it was there till 1948. When the Balfour Declaration expired, it had been a very ambiguous declaration. And the Arabs thought it was in their favor. And the Jews thought it was in their favor. And it was very short declaration and it was very ambiguous that means you couldn't tell who it belonged to when it expired since 6 million Jews were killed by Adolf Hitler during World War II then Harry Truman declared declared Israel, a nation for the first time in 2600 years when they were carried away and Jerusalem went, up. well, it wasn't under the rule of the Jews yet, not in 1948. It didn't become Jerusalem. The key verse, Luke 21:24: 24, the Jews shall fall by the edge of the sword, they fell by the edge of the sword, All these 2,600 years, and and they'll be led away captive in all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until that's the key word. This whole section of Luke 21 is about Israel falling, until the times of the Gentile rule over Israel is fulfilled and that's right now in this generation what I want to do I had to reset that I want to take you from this into this 1948 war to present day time they Luke twenty-one twenty-four, the Jews will be led away captive and all nations And Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentile Babylonians, by the Gentile Persians, by the Gentile Grecians, by these Gentile soldiers, by Rome all the way through that list to people that I showed until the Gentile rule is finished and it happened May 14th, 1948 at the expiration of the Balfour Declaration that was issued in 1920. They had all kinds of problems during those years. We won't go into them right now. But May 14th, 1948. I'm going to tell you why I'm going to tell you why I believe the last four wars end time wars we're going to read about them here in just a minute these last four wars are actually prophesied I believe in Ezekiel the 38th chapter. I'm going to look at these four wars. Just remember, when the Bible says in Luke twenty-one, twenty-four that the Jews will fall by the edge of the sword, it's talking about in the time that they're subdued by Babylon and Assyria all the way to May 14th, 1948, and particularly to the Six-Day War, June 5th through June 10th, 1967. That was the Six-Day War. That's when they procured Jerusalem back. They didn't get it back in their Revolutionary War, their War for Independence. Jerusalem. Jerusalem didn't come back to them until the six day war of 1967 and that you have to connect that with Luke 21:24. Jerusalem be trodden down of the Gentiles until they no longer were trodden down of the Gentiles in Jerusalem when they drove the Jordanians out in that six day war Jordan is right next door, and it was the Jordanians. This is Jordan here. This thing it looks like a handle comes down here. That's Jordan. Amman, Jordan is the capital of Jordan. That was the land of Ammonites, and Moab was southern Jordan. And Jordan, if you'll notice, Jordan is right across the the Jordan River and they in that little spot right there that's Jerusalem so they're right there controlling that west bank and Jerusalem until 1967 war and that Luke 21:24 says that will happen until the gentile rule over Jerusalem is finished and it's done the bible says concerning this that this generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled now let me read to you these different wars 19 let me erase some things up on the board I hope you got most of that And erase some things up here I believe we can't be far away from the end of time I'm not far away from it. At 81 years old, the end of time will be here for me before long. But I don't believe this world will last much longer. Don't believe it. And it's all these plagues and viruses, and it's supposed to come. What is here is supposed to be here. It has dictated our politics. It's dictated borders. It's dictated famine. It's dictated who gets elected and who don't. Let me read this. This is out of a book, 48 years, or 40 years of Israel. Jesus said there would be wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet Matthew twenty six twenty four six. Since that time many thousands have died attempting to conquer and defend the soil considered sacred to three major religions Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. May 14, 1948, the British flag was lowered in Tel Aviv for the last time the British had ruled them from from when General Allenby marched in. They were considered a satellite of the British Commonwealth from 1920 till 1948. At four that afternoon, Israel was declared to be a nation again first time in 2600 years amidst the singing of the Jewish national anthem Hatikva, while it was the beginning of the nation it was also the beginning of a number of wars fought to maintain not only their nationhood but their very territory and lives the war of independence May 14, 1948 the next day, May 15th, 1948, the Arabs begin to attack. The day following their declared independence, Israel is invaded by Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. Now the difference between these nations attacking here and in the 38th chapter of Ezekiel, Gog will be destroyed in the 38th chapter of Ezekiel. That's another title for the man of sin. Man of sin or the beast. So this is just a prelude. So what's happening in the thirty eighth chapter of Ezekiel? It names some of these nations under ancient names. Britain's field marshal, that's a that was the commanding general of the Great Britain's forces, he was equivalent to Dwight D. Eisenhower, who headed our expeditionary forces in in Europe. Britain's Field Marshal Montgomery predicted that it would take the Arabs but eight days to drive the Jews into the sea. Nine months and four days later, Israel not only survived, but had come out with much strengthened with 23% more territory than they had been allotted in the 1947 petition of land that they gave to them uh, anticipating this, this declaration of a nation. The Arabs outnumbering the Jews almost 40 to 1. Now this is why I believe these four wars, they are outnumbered fantastically outnumbered and they win all four of them there's no possible way they can that's why I believe there's got to be a remnant in Israel a remnant would be at least a portion of literal Israel that's going to believe these truths But there's only one way they can believe. In John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to God the Father but by me. If there's a remnant in Israel due to these wars, they're going to have to come through Jesus. I believe did you know the Israelites don't have any idea what they believe about Jesus? They say he was a good man, but he wasn't God. If there and when you hear these four wars, you you're probably gonna understand why I'm saying this. They were outnumbered forty to one. The Arabs outnumbering Israel 40 to 1 had a very simple battle plan. Egypt was to attack from the south. Egypt is going to attack Israel. Here's Israel. And here's Egypt down here. Egypt, Mediterranean Sea, and they're going to attack from the south. Now, they'll attack from the south with 10,000 men sweep up the Negev this is the Negev desert down here you remember when when Elijah ran the full length of Israel into the Negev and found a juniper tree and sat down under it said God kill me and that's another story toward Tel Aviv with half the force 10,000 men swept up the Negev towards Tel Aviv with half the force and the rest would move toward Jerusalem Lebanese Syrian and Iraqi forces would move down from the north the Lebe- this is Lebanon up here or it's old ancient Tyre and Sidon Tyre and Sidon and with Lebanon, with the Syrians Syrians are here well not that high not that low the Syrians are up here Syria and they're going to come in from the north from the north and Iraqi forces would move down from the north Iraq over here Babylon they're going to come down with the Syrians through Galilee this is Galilee northern Israel Galilee is a section up here and it's talking about all this section up here and the Jordan River runs down into the Dead Sea It's not that big, it's long and narrow. So Syria's coming from the north, Iraq's coming from the north, Egypt's coming from the south, through Galilee unto Haifa, on towards Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv, at that time, was the capital of Israel. Where they would join up with Egyptian forces from east, Jordan would bring... 10,000 men. Here's Jordan here. Over here. That's Jordan. And they're going to come with 10,000 men from the east. 10,000 from Egypt. To occupy the West Bank and capture the old city of Jerusalem and lay siege to the new city the outcome of the war was probably determined more more by the attitude on two sides to the Arabs it was a war of expansion revenge for the Jews it was sheer survival a fact that is known to make people fight harder then for those who are fighting simply to gain more territory the Israeli battle was a plan was much more complex the first goal was to defend to the utmost every Jewish settlement in the path of the invading armies a task made difficult by the fact that the Israelis had 10,000 rifles. That's all they had. You got 10,000 Egyptians coming from the south, 10,000 Jordanians, and Syria and and Iraq coming from the north with 10,000 or more. Israel didn't have a chance but they did each with 50 rounds of ammunition they had 10,000 shots for 10,000 raffles that's it how in the world could they win they were outnumbered 40 to 1 4 ancient artillery pieces and all probability left over from World War 1 36 submachine guns This is this reminds me of all those miracles when David was being chased by Saul with thousands. He had four hundred men. The second goal was to piece together a navy to lift the blockade and bring in men and munitions and immigrants by way of the sea. The next goal. Boy, how can you do that? You're surrounded on all sides, and they're attacking you. And you got 50 shots per man with 10,000 rifles. The next goal was to lift the siege of Jerusalem and then turn the tide of the battle from defensive to offensive moves. Each one of these goals was accomplished, perhaps the most dramatic being the rescue of Jerusalem since all the roads in Jerusalem were Arab-controlled, several thousand Israeli citizens carved out a road over the limestone hills through which food and weapons were brought in to defend the city. Banners displaying the words of Psalms 137 and 5, were flying from the vehicles, bringing in supplies and weapons. If I forget the old Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. The heaviest fighting occurred between May 15th, when the war started, and June 11th, after which time a four-week truce was arranged by the United Nations During the full huge amounts of weapons were purchased from Czechoslovakia when fighting began again, Israel inflicted heavy casualties on the Arabs on all fronts. During the next lull, a group of Jewish radicals calling themselves the Stern Gang Murdered one of the UN mediators because the Stern Gang were rebels and they didn't go go along with the rest of Israel. Count Bernadotte causing a great loss of image for the Israelis. Finally, on October 15th, the war broke out again, and Israeli troops, by now well supplied, Literally threw the Egyptians out. The Sinai War, 1956. Each one of these wars, the Jews have overwhelming odds against them. We have to be close to the end of all things. October 1956, Egypt, Syria, and Jordan prepared themselves again to encircle Israel. At the same time, Egypt had seized control of the Suez Canal Company. That's a canal that goes between between the Mediterranean Sea down through the border of Egypt down into the Red Sea area. And that empties out into the seas below that continent and had occupied all Sinai the British and French moving against Egypt in retaliation for closing the Suez made sudden air attacks knocking out Egyptian air power Israel seized the moment to launch an attack overrunning and clearing the Sinai peninsula Destroying or dispersing about a third of the Egyptian army. The Suez runs down through here. They built a canal through there. That was the very the Suez Canal is one of the most important canals in the world. It gives you a, a ocean way or. A, uh, waterway down here to these nations down here, so the Suez Canal is not just a canal; it is what supplies everybody with ammunition and they were capturing the quantities of Russian built equipment. Israel took about fifty six prisoners killed somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 Egyptians while suffering 171 killed we're talking about 171 against 3,000 and 600 wounded so they were overwhelmed but they overwhelmed their enemies the situation of the Middle East at that time became so tense that they feared Armageddon was just around the corner. When Britain and France attacked Egypt, Egypt sank every ship and barge in the Suez Canal in an attempt to close it to western shipping. That's how important it was. Russia threatened to come to Egypt's aid and the United States quickly promised to back Britain if Russia did jump in on Egypt's side. By December, however, the U.N. troops were able to restore order and to persuade Israel to pull its troops out of Sinai, a decision it would later regret. The Six-Day War, let me give you a little bit on that. How much time do have, Mike? 23. How much? 23. Let me see if I can get through these other wars. Six Day War, 1967. All during the early 1960s, minor border skirmishes and Arab terrorist attacks came, followed by the reprisals by Israel. In 1966, Nasser, Gamal Abdul Nasser, he was the, the head of Egypt when I was a teenager. I remember him well. Nasser made a pact with Syria in the event of an Israeli invasion. In 1967, terrorist attacks and Syrian bombardment of Israel villages in north in north continued. In retaliation, the Israelis shot down six. Syrian Migs while continuing their warnings to the Arab nations that Israel might have to take further reprisals if the attacks continued Nasser, Egypt's president Nasser began amassing troops in the Sinai remember the Sinai is right below Israel that's where Moses traveled those 40 years Nasser began amassing troops in the Sinai at the same time forcing the UN peacekeeping force to withdraw threatening this time to completely destroy Israel finally Nasser the head of Egypt closed the straits of Tehran threatening to blow up many shipping any shipping vessel bound for Eilat they city down in the south when another war with Arab nations seemed inevitable Israel decided to seize the advantage with several lightning air raids beginning on June 5th Israeli mirage and mister jets which they had procured from the French succeeded in destroying most of the air power of Egypt Jordan and Syria I saw a special on that on TV they said when this broke out these jets it's not but about two and a half minutes in a supersonic jet from Jerusalem to Egypt we're talking about, I don't know how fast they go, seven 700 miles an hour. They're breaking the sound barrier. So they're just minutes from Egypt. They flew to Egypt, destroyed the entire Egyptian air force while the soldiers were in there, or the pilots were in their hangars, drinking coffee. They destroyed the whole air force. This special said the Egyptian, the Israeli pilots... Were deadly. They didn't fire on their enemies till they saw the whites of their eyes. <laughs> that means they didn't fire at long distance. They got right upon them. That took lots of guts. Got right upon them. That's an old saying: Don't fire till you see the whites of their eyes. Be right upon them. I used to, when I was a singer, I'd travel in these military bases. And I was out at Luke Air Force Base one time. And I was sitting at a table with a bunch of jet pilots. And they started talking about the greatest pilots in the world. One of the pilots said, the United States has got the greatest pilots in the world. And another one of the guys popped up and said, except for the Israelis. He said, you're right. Except for the Israelis. Now, let me finish this. Uh, When another war with the Arab nation seemed inevitable, Israel decided to seize the advantage with their Mirage and Mr. Jets succeeded in destroying most of the air power of Egypt, Jordan, Syria, and Iraq before the planes could even get off the ground. Israeli armored columns then cut through the Negev into the Sinai. This is the Sinai down here. This is the Negev northern desert. Overcoming, overrunning more than 100,000 Egyptians' forces stranded there without air cover. In a matter of hours, hundreds of armored vehicles were destroyed or captured. This seems unbelievable. We're talking about God. It has to be God giving them the power. That's why I believe there has to be a remnant of Israel that's going to believe God through Jesus Christ. They already know Christmas is pagan. That's what they did when they worshiped Bell in the Grove. By June 7th, Egyptian resistance in the Sinai had collapsed. In the north, after serious fighting, Nablus and Jericho were captured And at eight PM Israel and Jordan had accepted a ceasefire and called for by the United Nations. For two days, Syrian artillery had been bombarding Israeli villages in Galilee. Syria is up here. They're bombarding villages in Galilee or northern Israel. But the Israeli Air Force and infantry units by June 9th by June 9th overran the gun emplacements by the next day Israeli forces were 12 miles into Syria they have gone into Syria which is on the border of Israel right up there they're 12 miles into Syria capturing villages as far north as Kunitra, A ceasefire was arranged for 4.30 on the afternoon of June 10th. It was a six-day war, June 5th through June 10th. Egyptian losses in both men and equipment were very heavy, although casualty figures were never released by the Egyptian government. Jordanian casualties were listed as 6,094 killed and missing, 762 wounded, 463 taken prisoner. Israel losses were given at 679 killed as opposed to 6,094 of the Jordanians, and 2,563 were wounded let's look at the Yom Kippur War Yom means day Kippur, Kaparoth that was the day of atonement the reason the Arab nations attacked Israel on the day of atonement was because that was a holy day and they didn't believe they would be expected to be attacked on that day Yom Kippur Tensions between Israel and the surrounding nations have never been completely tranquil. They hadn't been calm. But in the fall of 1973, 1973, the situation became worse. Finally, on a day when they thought Israelis would be least prepared to defend themselves, Egypt from the south and Syria from the north attacked Israel. The assault was planned for 6 p.m. on October 6th, which was Yom Kippur, a day when the Israelis would have been observing a fast, their most holy day of worship. That was on Nisan 14, September, October. Russian satellite intelligence warned the Syrians, that Israel was beginning to expect something and was making preparations. So the attack actually took place four hours earlier than scheduled. The massing troops and armor was said to be the largest since the close of World War II. Some 5,000 tanks, more than 1 million men, 838,000 arabs 275,000 jews egypt alone was said to have thrown 3,000 tanks 2,000 heavy guns and 600,000 men against the israelis you would think that would be enough to overcome them israel is israel is smaller than the state of new jersey Considering just the strength of the forces alone, it should have been the annihilation of the state of Israel that followed in the next 19 days. We had a retired colonel that used to come here. He was there, he said, when this broke out. He said it looked hopeless because when they attacked from the north, they were not prepared and it didn't look like Israel was ready. And he had to go and call. He said he kept trying to call the President of the United States, but at that time he was unable to get through to him. And they told him to go to this house, knock on the door, and this lady would help him with what he needed. He knocked on this door and go to my ear, answered the door, and she was the head of Israel at that time being caught so terribly off guard and outnumbered, go to my ear, later confessed, for the first time in our 25-year history, we thought we might have lost. At one time, only a few dozen tanks stood in the way, both in the north and the south, of an oncoming Arab force of thousands. But during an unexpected two-day lull in the fighting, Israel was able to regroup. And on October the 19th, a tank battle of unprecedented magnitude took place in the Sinai Desert. When the dust cleared, Israel had won tremendous victory. How? You remember those numbers? 838,000 Arabs? against two, 275,000 Jews, and the Arabs had 3,000 tanks, 2,000 heavy guns, 600,000 men against the Israelis. 600,000 is more than we had in the Vietnam War. When the dust cleared, Israel had won a tremendous victory and began pressing on into Egypt conquering territory west of the Suez in the north Israel began pushing the Syrians back and by the time of a ceasefire was arranged Israeli troops were within 20 miles of Damascus the oldest city in the world the capital city of Syria During this war, Arab casualties were more than 15,000 and Israeli losses were more than 4,000. It was overwhelming. It's just... Do I have any time, Mike? Ten. Ten? Let me read to you this war in Lebanon. Over the years... Israel's border areas have always been vulnerable to attack. They should not be in existence according to I Demont, a Jewish writer. He said, they, with all they've been under, they should have dis- disappeared with the anu, anu. Anu was a tribe of ancient people that just disappeared. He said, they should have disappeared with the Anu. There's no reason that they could have won these four wars unless there was a God with them. That's why I believe there's got to be a remnant in literal Israel that believed God. In the early 1980s, there had been numerous rocket and mortar attacks on a section northern Galilee that bordered on Lebanon. These attacks came primarily from Palestinians who had set up operations in the southern part of Lebanon. In the year prior to June 1982, more than 400 rockets and shells had fallen inside Israel, even though they had resulted in only two deaths. The Israeli government decided the time had come to clear southern Lebanon of this threat on June 6 1980 the Israeli Defense Force launched what they called Operation Peace for Galilee with the objective of removing PLO presence from all the areas 25 miles north of Israel's border the initial objective was reached within a number of with a matter of days, but it became quickly evident that the once that once started the operation could not stop there. Israel has been under attack for twenty six hundred years, until they became a nation, and they've been winning ever since under unbelievable odds. In the areas captured by the Israeli forces, dozens of armed caches were found, some small, some large. The arms were usually situated near a mosque, a school, a hospital, or a church so as to deter the Israelis from hitting them with air or rocket attacks for fear that civilians would be injured. The amount of the arms captured was staggering, some ten times what even the efficient Israeli intelligence had estimated was in the area. Just in the southern area of Lebanon, it took a thousand men and 150 trucks about five weeks to excavate the many tons of arms captured. For unknown reasons, the amount of arms captured was overwhelmingly more than the PLO could have needed for its own troops. The invasion continued on toward Beirut, where the Israelis found themselves engaged in a war of a much longer term than the few weeks the politicians had promised. The PLO had its headquarters in Beirut and there, Israeli defense forces concentrated their attention including airstrikes on PLO headquarters and weapons and dumps. Finally in September 1982 all PLO troops were excavated from Beirut. Many left the country but others simply made their way to the north of the country. Still Israel was not able to extricate itself from the quagmire of Lebanon. Lebanon is north of Israel. As casualty figures mounted, public support for the operation dwindled. In a poll taken in June 1982-84, 84% felt it was right action to take. But the time of Israeli troops withdrew in June 1985. 40% felt that it had been the wrong step to take. 75% felt the operation had been a failure never before in the history of Israelis' wars had there been such a wave of anti-war protests. I guess they were tired. Even numbers of soldiers chose to go to prison rather than participate in the war. In mid-June 1985, Israel completely withdrew from Lebanon. Even then, there was declared a buffer zone that would continue to be patrolled by Israeli troops to prevent the return of PLO troops. By the time of the withdrawal, more than 650 Israeli soldiers had died. On the day of the final pullback, two shells fell on northern Galilee and such attacks continued periodically in the months that followed. That's the wars, and I believe they could not have won. they are totally outnumbered every time. I believe that's a sign of the end of time, that we're upon it. The Bible says they'll fall by the edge of the sword. Well, look at that in, get your Bible and look at Luke 21, 24. Luke 21. Luke 21. Look at verse 20. When you shall see. Do I have any time, Mike? When you see Jerusalem encamped by armies, that's back here when, when Babylon carried them away. And verse 24 they shall fall by the edge of the sword. They fell to all of those nations by the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. Notice it doesn't say Israel will be trodden down, but Jerusalem until the time of the Gentile rule is fulfilled over Jerusalem in in June 5th or June 10th, 1967. And then it gives you other prophecies until the Gentile rule is fulfilled and then he gives you other prophecies and it says in verse 28, when these things begin, when Jerusalem is no longer falling to the Gentiles, and that happened in 1967, when it begins to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. The redemption of our bodies will go out to meet the Lord in the air. We have to be in that generation. And verse thirty-one. So, likewise, ye, when you see these things come to pass, when they begin, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily, I say unto you, verse thirty-two: This generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. This is not the word "this"; it's the word ate, "auta," It means her generation. Israel's generation. The generation of A-U-T-Ada. doesn't say this. It doesn't say that. It says her generation. A-U-T-Ada. Ada's feminine gender is talking about Israel or the church. And that's the truth and that's the wars of Israel and the reason I believe there has to be a remnant is because they were completely overwhelmed in these four wars and they've come out ahead with more land there's no way they should have won unless a God was with them and a God wouldn't be with them unless he's going to cause certain ones of them to repent and believe Jesus believe the Bible well I'm out of time Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this picture of Israel. Lord, help us to continue your work. God deal with our hearts and our lives. There's an elect family out there, strengthen them and cause them to seek the truth if necessary through this ministry. Cause them support this ministry. God, we need your help in these times. Give us strength. As you did for Israel, Lord, fight our battles as the church. We can't overcome our enemies. We're too small. Let us not be like Israel when they would not attack the land of Anak. Let us go ahead towards our enemies, and you fight the battle. Lead us to your elect family. We'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I know that's not real pleasant, but that's the truth.